This is Ashley Kelch, and you are listening to Life Coaching for Modern Renegades, episode number 70. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Modern Renegades Podcast. This is a life coaching podcast for the person who wants to learn how to lose themselves in the moment, not life circumstances. Each week, we will explore mental and spiritual practices that will inspire you to ask, seek, and heal. They are for the modern renegade. They are for you. Hey, renegades. Happy Saturday to ya. So today I am joined by one very special man, the man of my life, the number one unconditionally loved person. Wish I could claim that I unconditionally love everyone, but I don't. But this this man has it all. This would be my son, Nick. Hi, Nick. Howdy. <laughs> I feel like there should be like like a little applause in the background and like numero uno. <laughs> like, you know, when someone gets brought onto a show. Yeah, you definitely get that claim. Your faith, my youngest would say that you're my favorite, which is not true. Faith is also a fave. But I think the reason you get the numero uno is not just because you were my firstborn, which you completely changed my life because of that, but because you and I are kind of alike. We're the same. We're the exact same. We just get each other, everything. Yeah. Which sometimes I'm like, I get you so well that I get so frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, it can be hard to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) I mean this in the best way. I kind of watch you and I think because I can see your potential and then I can also see what could go wrong because of my own experience, which is not a fair projection to make whatsoever. But so far, like textbook wise, I've been pretty spot on. Yeah, that's totally understandable. You're like watching, (laughs) watching from the outside. You're like, damn it, just wish we'd do this. Oh, come on. Like, yeah, I get that. That's fine. How do you feel when I actually, when I, because I try not, I'm trying not to intervene in your life. You're 20, you've graduated high school, you're doing your thing, but you're making decisions in your life right now. And and you do come to me to ask me questions. And right now my practice is trying to encourage you to come up with your own answers. But in the past, when I've kind of given you some, maybe the answers or some guidance, what has that been like? In the past, it's definitely been more difficult especially because it was like your first instinct was to be like, no, you got to do this or you come up with the answer like right there. And I think as time has gone on, it's been easier to not only get the help, like like you kind of guiding me towards the answer sort of. I do enjoy that. But yeah, it's been nice to, you know, as I'm growing into my own, like I've got stuff that I'm figuring out on my own, but I also have stuff that I want to come to you with, especially because like you are usually the first person that I come to with stuff. So it's nice that you help me out and you you do give me the answer sometimes, but it, it's definitely, it's more helpful for you to try and work with me so I can work on it when I don't necessarily, when I can't call you or don't have the time, and I can just work on it myself. You know, I think one of the funnier things has been since deciding not to give you the answers, funnier being you have come to me and said, damn it, you did know. You like, you knew, and I wouldn't give it to you. But 
the other part is like watching you sometimes is like watching it's like watching you punch yourself in the face. <laughs> it just I'm like, no, but I have as a parent, I'm my work is to just I'm really anyway trying to let you figure it out so that you can feel confident in making decisions. And I don't know what's best. I remember honest I think it was like February, you were in Argentina. And it was literally a thought around when I was growing up, we were told that drugs were bad. And there was this campaign about, you know, dare to stay off drugs and the war on crime and drugs. And I remember growing up and just being like, yeah, drugs are bad. And then most people that listen to this podcast know that I had had a little love affair with drugs and a history there. But then found myself telling you in faith, you know, drugs are bad without ever really examining what that meant. Just telling you what I was told. And the reason that came up as an awareness from my mind, because now we're living in a time where we're being told by our government and other people and scientists, et cetera, drugs aren't bad, right? Not all drugs. I'm talking about you yeah. know certain drugs, yeah. but that they're not bad. And I was like, wow, I, I just kind of spew out what I was told without questioning what I believe or where I'm learning these things. And is that right for me? And I remember texting you and Faith saying, you two are young adults. You've been, I have raised you and informed you, I believe, to the best of my ability with what I know based on what I have learned and my own experiences. And I believe you have a really good foundation. But from here on out, I want you to question anything and everything anyone tells you, myself included. And you responded with, I think that's a really fair ask because you don't know what it's like to be in our generation growing up with what we've been told and you only have your experience from yours Mm -hmm. and I thought man this kid that's a great response like yes and (laughs) (laughs) yeah times have changed for sure and you know, it, it's it's a lot more prevalent, I believe, also with social media and stuff. Like, you know, it's so easy to share things. And I think just as time has gone on, you know, like, you know, weed, for example, back in the day, you know, whatever, it was just like, you know, there's people who study it and who take massive amounts of money to put into these studies to grow it and to sort of, I guess, take it to another level. Like a wellness level, right? They're like bringing more awareness around the qualities that these drugs have to help medicinally and for our mental well-being, et cetera. And just for the record, everyone, I'm not limiting. When I said that to them, it wasn't about drugs. That was just like kind of a small example of things. There are a lot of things I think that, you know, as a parent, you don't really question until you're in this moment of raising your kids where you find yourself saying things and you're like, where did I learn that? Like words would come out of my mouth as a parent to my children, and they would be words that like I grew up hearing from my parents that I despised hearing. Mm -hmm. Then I'm an adult and I would find myself saying those words. and I'm like, oh, my God, who have I become? And that's that sort of awareness that I mean, not just around like the drugs and the campaigning, but just those subtle beliefs that we are taught by our families and society. And then you find yourself question like, wait, where did I get that? And that's the beautiful thing about being a parent is that I feel that I've been constantly in check with you guys. And there's been a conversation in ebb and flow. Like I said, when I asked you or told you guys, you guys start deciding like adults maybe don't know best. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think like, you know, I think it's great for me to learn on my own 
and to take a few blows for sure. But it is also nice to have you there. And I think part of it is also like we learn from each other. You know, you grow up as a kid and you're raised a certain way and you kind of take what you got from your folks and you say, I like this, I like this, but I don't like that. And I don't like it when they, you know, do something this way. And so trying to take that as a parent, you know, now it's it's easy for us to sort of teach you, you know, it's a test in patience for sure. I'm sure there were times where just instinctively, you know, because like, you are your parent's child. You know, there are just some things where if you wish you could have thought twice about, but I think that's part of it, honestly. I love how you're like, we're teaching. <laughs> you <laughs> sound like the parent right now. <laughs> we are teaching each other to. No, 100%. I, I would not be who I am had I not become a mother and learned from you and Faith. It's been, it's been incredible. So to that, speaking of parenting, you've had a unique upbringing in the, not that others haven't experienced this, but being raised by a single mother after losing your dad and living with your sister and I, who now identifies as a they, non-binary. I certainly have dated people and we have a, a man who has come into our lives, what, seven years ago, maybe six years ago, who everyone made a decision that he wanted to co-parent and you guys wanted him in your life. But for the longest time, it, you know, it was us mm -hmm. and you were basically raised by me. Yeah. And so I think... I can't, I have no idea what that experience has been like for you. I have thoughts, but maybe you can share what it's been like to be raised by a mom and with your sister, now a, a they. <laughs> what has that been like? You're 20. Your dad died when you were almost eight. It'll be 13 years this month, actually. Yeah. I, you know, it's been nice because I, it's just a different perspective, you know? I was raised how to, treat everyone with respect and as equals. And I used to joke about how there's too much estrogen in this house. <laughs> like, you know, we need to even the score a little bit. But I think I was also, I was raised with a certain level of empathy that has helped me out a lot. And just an emotional awareness that most people, at least I believe my age, haven't quite gone there yet. You know, like, that's not to say like, you know, I'm a step ahead or anything. I just think in a female dominated household and losing a parent very early on, like that is one of the takeaways that's been beneficial for me, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like there's been a positive or negative experience for you in not having your dad as an influence around you? I definitely wish I had that, like that true blood father figure growing up especially growing up in Texas, you know, like someone to play ball with or go hunting and fishing with for sure. But I, I think, I think overall, and this is just how I see things is like, like things happen for a reason, you know, and I wouldn't be who I am today if they happened differently. And so not necessarily taking it as a positive or a negative. I'm definitely, I enjoyed the way I was raised and the household that I grew up in. But I think just from a neutral perspective, like, you know, it's how I was raised. So I've tried to make the most of it and take what I could with it. Excuse me while I take some notes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's getting out their notebooks, even in their cars. When did the 20-year-olds get so smart? <laughs> I really do feel like your generation, though, or, you know, speaking, you're, you know, talking about you have this empathy and emotional awareness based on your experience. But I also think 
your generation and younger, there's been a conversation that we didn't grow up with, like feelings and awareness is part of the narrative. Your emotional intelligence or IQ there is higher, Mm -hmm. I think, anyway, than like what I was raised with personally. You guys verbalize and talk and communicate in a way that we weren't necessarily taught. So, And I don't know that that's isolated to this household. I think that that's sort of across the board. I look at Faith and some of their friends and your friends that come over, like there just seems to be a conversation that's happening that wasn't happening with, say, their parents and my age group or older. I think with my friends and I, you know, that's been a more recent thing. Like we, a group of us had an experience where we just all sat together. This was after our first semester in college and I was abroad and we just had this moment where we were all super vulnerable with each other. And I think for some of those guys, especially, you know, being raised in Texas and certain households, that that was the first time where they really opened up emotionally. And a few of those guys like had before, but I think in my friend group specifically, like we're starting to see that it's okay for us to be vulnerable and talk about these things and communicate these things, you know? And I love my group of guys and I think we are so fortunate to have each other and we can be pretty vulnerable with each other, which has been great. You know, I can go to them with anything that I need and I know that, you know, we can talk it out. They can understand where I'm coming from and then, you know, they'll sympathize and empathize with me and then they'll give their spin on it. And I think that level of emotional maturity and communication, it's something that's been happening more recently just within my group, but also across the board, I think for sure, like amongst people my age. Yeah. And I noticed with your group, there's a support and accountability that's happening there, I think is is really empowering for each of you because you guys kind of call each other out in the interest, the best interest of one another, even though at the time, maybe it doesn't feel that way. But you all seem to really have each other's backs and are willing to say have the hard conversations. Because we want what's best for each other, you know, and there there are definitely times where I'll go up to them. You know, I'll just be like, guys, I, I just need a hug. Like, I just need to hug this one out and feel this one out, you know, and just ask them to be there for me supportively emotionally. And they are. And then there's other times where I'll ask for their advice or what their opinion is on something. And I I personally, I, you know, there's always times to sugarcoat stuff, but I would rather we just communicate what we're feeling Mm -hmm. and work on that and talk it out. And then we can move from there. And we're not really wasting too much time. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I, if I'm having girl problems or whatever, and I go to Jonah, for, for example, I would just... It'd be like, okay, like, what do you think? And, and we'll, we'll have some pretty tough conversations, but I think that it's incredibly productive and effective. And we are able to help each other out a lot more because of that. I'm so glad you brought up dating. That's so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if you've heard what this podcast is about. What has your dating life been like this last year? I think, I think my, (laughs) my dating life just, it's it's been an incredible experience. I've learned a lot. I have learned a ton in the last year dating and just trying to figure out who I am and what that is like. 
Yeah, going into that last year, I wasn't, you know, the most experienced or anything, but... I like that you're talking about how you've had this incredible dating experience during a pandemic. So everyone's like, wait, what? How are you dating? Like, and I, was it incredible the whole time? No. It, Spill the tea. It wasn't. It was incredible because I've learned so much. Okay. You know, like looking back, I was like, okay, you know, we learned some things and, and I'm glad I can take that away. But it was rough. It's hard as hell. And, and I've been in and out of this friendship relationship thing for this last 14 months that's been very unique i found like you know i have asked so many people for help and it's great because i have an array of different answers but also like there are times where i'm just like man i wish there was just a textbook i could look at or just i wish the answer was there for me mm -hmm. that would be so helpful right now when i said punching yourself in the face earlier i was foreshadowing to this entire conversation <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If y'all if y'all read the the Friends First, is that what it's called? The article? Well, I wasn't gonna throw me under the bus, but here we go. Oh no, no, uh, no. <laughs> no, because you asked about this. This was this was consensual, you throwing that in there. Yes. No, I know. So I talked about a I think I said a, a really good guy friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> in this in my Triveza column. But yes, it was one hundred percent about you because watching you this last year have these feelings for someone who I wouldn't have said romantically, but I would have said like cares for you deeply. And wants to be in your life. And then you had these feelings of wanting that person to be in your intimately involved and romantically connected. And you really struggled with, if it can't be romantic, I don't know if it can be anything, which was my where advice of like, whoa, you might miss out on this really amazing opportunity to have this woman who you connect with on so many levels. You love her on so many levels. Like, is it possible for you to not try to squish it into this one little thing called a romantic relationship and be open to exploring a friendship and other areas with this person, which I understand that's a, that's a hard ask. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been very difficult, you know, and I think she was here in Austin just a couple of weeks ago and we, we had a long conversation and one thing that we talked about is just the lenses that we've looked into our friendship with, you know, because the first year that we knew each other, she had a boyfriend. So she was she was unavailable and and she's only been able to look at me as a friend, you know, because of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I caught feelings for her very early on and I only saw her through the lens of as a romantic relationship you know, and being, being forced to be friends with her sucked for sure. And I struggled with it pretty damn hard to the point where I took three breaks from talking with her. And looking back on it, and I've told her this, like, I am so glad we got to know each other as friends and just as people first, before we really like expanded on our relationship. It wasn't fun in the time, you know? Well, and just for clarity, when she and her boyfriend broke up, you decided to shoot your shot. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely, she knew how I felt about her. I had told her multiple times, but when they broke up, I was definitely like, I want to be more than friends with you. And, you know, I, I didn't want to have that conversation then because she had just gotten out of that relationship. She had just moved away from home to school and was leaving all her friends and her life behind 
and that that was the last time where I wanted to have to take a step back or you know possibly mess things up a little bit I really did want to be there for her more than anything those first few months but at that time there were some things that she wanted to be open about that I just did not that that was like a hard no for me and since then we've talked about that and and we've come to a place on how we feel about certain aspects of our personal lives separate from each other mm-hmm. which has been incredibly helpful and and a great growing experience but yeah she she just wanted to be friends when she broke up with him and and I totally understood that you know that was a huge thing for her it was hard to hear that and i think you know i w- i was seeing somebody else and i just kind of wanted to also focus on that and th- that's why it got brought up is i didn't want to talk about what was going on with that but she wanted to hear about that and i just i just didn't want to sort of cross those two worlds together and i wanted to keep that separate and so i was just like no i i can't be doing this right now i got to focus on starting this year off and and so that's when you like i need a break from talking with you yeah cuz we I told her I didn't want to talk about our our sexual lives and she wanted to really bad and I was just like I you mean your dating lives with other people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, separate separate from each other and I was just like I can't do that. I can't do that with you. It, it was hard because you know, I had seen her only in this romantic lens and and it it just it sucked, but I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear about that stuff. I didn't want to. That's what it is, really. Yeah. I'm just also like I get jealous really easily, you know, and I I have some like self-confidence stuff that's you know, we all have our things. Mm-hmm. And so not being a second choice or an option, but definitely, you know, not being like the number one, it sucks and it's hard to experience. Mm-hmm. Especially when you when you think realistically that like that's something that could be viable you know when you were you guys were on your break and you were seeing this other you know dating this other person and not only because of this work that i do but as your mother and a woman in this world i was so proud to watch and witness your honesty with this other person because you really were in an in integrity of letting them know I enjoy your company. I like seeing you. I'm not available and I don't think we should do more. And you gave this person that option. Like you were really honest with them when you were seeing this other person here. And I think that's a really hard thing to do because we as people and humans want to connect with other people. There's almost like these, you know, the unfulfilled needs or replacing that person. It's not replacing them, but you're like, well, then I'll just to, you know, there's this old saying, and I can't stand it, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to get under someone to get over the other one, <laughs> right? And you were like, I'm going to start dating and I'm going to do this thing. And then you were, and you quickly realized I'm not in the headspace mentally or emotionally. And you communicated that with her, you know, and then she, as a consenting adult said, well, I would still like to spend time with you. But as a, as a woman, I was, and a mother, I was like, man, I was really proud of you. Because it it is easy to just start spending time with other people and not really be present or engaged, but still do it. Yeah. This girl that I saw, we saw each other 
from like start of January to like, you know, first couple weeks of March and of this year. And about halfway through, I just, I realized like, oh, you know, like I, after I had just decided to stop talking to this other girl, I was emotionally just devastated and I was not in a place to date. And I quickly realized that and I realized, you know, I wouldn't be able, this girl that I started seeing, she wanted something serious. She wanted an actual relationship. And I quickly realized that's the exact opposite of what I wanted. And it was tough. And about halfway through, I sat her down and I was like, hey, like, I want you to know this is where I'm at. I know we've talked about other things, but I've just, I've been having a hard time with this. You know, like I feel a little, I felt a little guilty just in the sense of like, I think it's important that we have these conversations and we communicate so that we're not wasting each other's time and energy. Mm -hmm. You know, I cannot stand that. And so I wanted to be very upfront and clear and just be like, I, you know, I'm sorry, but this is how it is. Mm -hmm. And she did decide at the time to continue to see me. Yeah, just being emotionally unavailable, it was tough at the start for sure. Confession, my heart broke a little bit for her because I know what it's like to be that girl and you're like, well, maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe he'll come around, right? And so you're like, and he's such a good guy and he's being so honest, which makes it, you know, so redeeming. And if I just hang out a little bit longer, then maybe he'll develop feelings for me and I just had a feeling that's maybe what she was thinking. No one told me this, but I just kind of based off some some history. And my heart just kind of cracked a little bit for her, <laughs> for both of you, for both of you, because you're genuinely a sweet person. And I know you were like trying to, you felt bad in that guilt. And that shows itself. I know I sound totally like his mother. I'm like, he's so amazing. But <laughs> anyone who has met you would like, you really are a genuinely sweet person. You do care. When you say you have empathy, like it comes across your actions show that you care. So I imagine a woman when you're telling her, look, I just don't see me. She's like, I am going to wait this out. Oh, because <laughs> you are a good guy. Yeah, I I just I think it's best for both parties. And that that's something that I've learned this past year in dating is like to just communicate. And that that goes beyond dating. That goes in my relationship with my guys, with my family, just to communicate and that way we can work on it then and there and get to the root of the problem and move past it and move forward. She decided that she wanted to keep seeing me. And then about a month and some change later, I, I just I was like, I can't do this. Like, I just feel like I'm leading someone on, even though I was open and honest about what I wanted in my attentions. It still felt like I was leading someone on. It was tough. It's hard to experience that. It's reminding me of that comment about that, like the pillow talk. Which one? The like the expression though, pillow. Like when it comes down to that pillow talk. Yeah. Tell the listeners more about what pillow talk, what that means. <laughs> oh well, I, you know, I'm still figuring these things out. But <laughs> in my experience, pillow talk is like it. You know, it comes from the the origin or the root, I would say, just comes from, you know, y'all are in bed and y'all are like just laying on the pillows and just start talking. You just have these conversations, these existential and serious conversations. And I would definitely rather just have them at the start 
and be more serious about it. But if you can't have that pillow, it's like you want whoever you're having that pillow talk with, like that's like the serious, like when you're laying there after you want it to be with someone you can have that pillow talk with. Oh, absolutely. And we're like, so, so what are we doing? And you're still here, you know? Yeah. And I think that's definitely a great experience to share with someone, you know, he's after that pillow talk. But it, it can it can be weird if you don't want that. If you you know, if one person wants that and the other doesn't, it, it can be like, I don't know. I yeah. And I I tried when I talked with her that first time a month in. It was like before that was right when she came over, and I just wanted to have that conversation with her. But yeah, I don't know. Pillow talk can be fun for sure. It can also <laughs> kind of be weird. It's like there's like there's memes and stuff about it where it's like it's like babe. Would you love me if I lost an arm? Would you still love me? <laughs> That's a pillow talk meme. I, yeah, yeah, you can find that one for sure. But, <laughs> you know, there's also just more serious stuff. But pillow talk can be fun, you know? Put on some music, too, and, and just, just vibe out, whatever. Again, taking notes, everyone. Taking notes. Okay, so now we've got how to date, according to 20. Loving it. Communication is everything. What about life plan. So you were, you had graduated high school. You were on a gap year. This was in, you went on your gap year in fall of 19. Fall of 19. You were in Argentina this time last year or yeah, it was this time last year. I had come back. You came back. I was in Argentina January through mid-March. Right. We, we got you home because of the the start of the pandemic and we wanted to make sure you were in this country because they were locking shit down. And it was one of those moments where you were like, this isn't part of the plan. I'm supposed to go to Spain next and then start college in the fall. What the hell? And I was like, no, listen, everyone's plans are canceled. (laughs) This isn't fun for anyone. And at the time, my advice was put your heads down, get in a routine. And let's just we just we're going to work through this year. But your plans of college and the things that you thought you were going to do were not there. So what has it been like for you this last year? Because it's been a year. You work pretty much full time and you're doing online school. But what was that like for you? And what is it like? At the start, it, it was it was awful. And I was doing a great thing. I was getting to travel and do some service work on this gap year. Very fortunate to do that. And it, it sucked. I came back a few weeks early from Argentina and obviously Spain was out of the question and it sucked. You know, I came back, couldn't see my friends, couldn't leave the house. I had to, you know, go to the grocery store at like, you know, 7.38 in the morning just to make sure I had a spot in line and masks and gloves and all that. It was, it was a shock. Absolutely. And it took, it took a long time to be able to adjust and and come to terms with, with the situation but I, I was able, with college, I didn't really know what was going to happen. Things were moving online and I was trying to keep up with my friends and what they were saying and what, what they were telling me just because that's what they were doing at the time. So I, I realized like it was going to move to online and stuff, which, you know, it, that's especially tough for me. Like I, I was never super into school as it was, but also I'm just a very visual and physical learner. I would much rather have like a teacher hand me a physical worksheet for me to fill out rather than do it online and upload it. You know, I can't shake any of my professor's hands or I can only 
get to know my classmates so much because everything's online. And on top of that, I was, I'm doing it remote. You know, I, I'm enrolled in a school in College Station, which is a little northeast from Austin, about an hour 45. So being remote as well, it's a totally different thing, school especially. But last year when you told us, you know, get into a routine, get into a rhythm, pick up some good habits because time is frozen. Like everything was on pause. And that's absolutely true. And my friends and I, we would stay up late playing video games and, you know, sleep in like crazy. And that was definitely something in the house that wasn't doing anyone any favors for sure, you know. What well, wasn't doing you any good. Yeah, And since then, you know, recently I've been getting a decent sleep schedule. But the main thing that I picked up when that all started was working out. And I did a lot of research and and I just I was like, you know what, I'm just I'm just going to really focus on going to the gym and pick up that habit, because that's something that I had been in and out with, but really like take advantage and focus on that. And so I started going, you know, six days a week. I've got my regimen and my split and what I like to do and what works for me. And it, it'll it be a year and a couple of months, but I've really been able to work on what works for me, what I enjoyed doing in the gym and actually see that progress and be able to, you know, look down at the scale and be like, yes, like finally hit that benchmark or you know, hit a certain weight that I'm benching or squatting is a lot of fun. It's great. And that's that's honestly probably the best thing that I've picked up routine-wise out of this last year. And then you have your job. So moving forward with work and school and routines, what do you see for yourself? <laughs> Plans in the fall are up in the air. You know, I never been the biggest fan of school and I'm still trying to figure out ways to get interested in it. But also I, I just, I love working and I love contributing to this team and this group. And it's nice getting a paycheck and getting that instant reward or somewhat instant, you know, and it's been great, especially because I'm working on a team where I, I really enjoy the people I work with. They are some great people, like everyone's business first And then everyone also knows like how to have a good time and how to have fun while we're doing it, you know, and that's been a great experience. It's been awesome. Mm -hmm. And I I really do love my job. This is the part of the part of the what I was talking about with me not giving you the answers. You get to you got to figure it out, figure out what my plan is in the fall. Kind of. yeah. 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 Which is so exciting, I think, for you to be able to decide on your future. You know, just this small step, like what is it going to be? And just to go in on that, like to decide and then do it and see what happens. Yeah. And I am looking forward to it, you know, whatever I end up doing. And it's something that I think about it daily for sure. Well, I think there's so much pressure. Like I was, because I, even when I said, like, you know, you're thinking about your future, like we think of it's like, this is my entire future. Do I continue to go to college or do I work part time and go to college or do I just work full time and not go to college and maybe move? Like, and we think that our entire life is based off this next decision when in all reality, it's like, no, you can just decide to do one of those three things. And then if you like it, great, keep doing it. And if you don't, then do something else. It doesn't have to be this all or like 
I can't fuck this up. If I if I make the wrong decision, everything will be bad or wrong or you know what I mean? Obviously it's not end all be all, whatever I decide. But I'm I'm just, you know, I'm trying to have fun. I'm trying to go do my thing and and experience what same. I <laughs> Aren't we all? You know? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> you know, and of the opportunities that I have right now, if I can go do whatever and it possibly live somewhere else for a minute or two, you know, like, why not? Why not just take that leap real quick and go experience life and get, get some real world experience, you know, like actually being a contributing member to society and just take that step. We'll see. We will see. And you guys will be hearing about it, I'm sure, in future episodes as I develop content around how I'm dealing (laughs) as a mom of 20-somethings. We're going to sign off. You got any words of wisdom for the renegades? Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot. Nick loves cliches. Oh, I love my cliches. Honestly, right now, I would just say, in general, just communicate more. Let's just work together. You know, it's been a rough year (laughs) for everyone, you know. Let's just communicate and help each other out and get through this and get over this pandemic finally once and for all and just be kind to each other. Be kind. Let's be humans. Be kind humans. I like that. You really can't go wrong with that. (laughs) From a 20-year-old, you know. Listen, you guys, the children of the future, like we are counting on y'all to make the changes. Oh, 100%. You've got my vote. (laughs) thank you just be nice renegades (laughs) be nice just be cool with each other (laughs) just be cool don't be all uncool (laughs) (laughs) all right talk to y'all later hey renegades if you're finding the tools and concepts i'm sharing each week about your brain on dating you won't want to miss out on working with me one-on-one I've just launched my program, Wake Up Before Another Breakup, and in just eight weeks, you won't question if you can trust yourself to date or why you can't find the one. Head on over to modernrenegades.com forward slash programs to learn more about it and how you can work with me. Let's learn how to lose ourselves in the moment, not the man.